0: Hello, this is Lafayette Faust, creator of the Nevermore Hollows podcast. Thank you for making the show a success. Please take a moment to subscribe, give five stars, comment, and share the show with your friends. It's the best way to help us grow and to be able to continue to provide quality horror content. Also please support our new art director, Chris Madman Goins at Black Sheep Studios TN on Instagram. He has some amazing Nevermore Hollows art for sale, signed by the both of us, as well as many other original pieces I think you're going to love. Now, for you horror hounds who like to have a good laugh, I invite you to check out my other podcast, It's called The Three Uncool Cats. In it, my two friends and I sit in a basement and discuss music, movies, and whatever else comes into our warped minds. I would really appreciate it if you would give it a listen. Now, with that out of the way, I invite you to sit back, turn on a light, and prepare yourself. Hello, I am Lafayette Faust, the creator of this strange little podcast. I'm very grateful for all of you who have become constant listeners. You've given me a platform to pursue my passion, which is writing stories that hopefully entertain and engage, and if I'm doing it right, give you the occasional shiver. This podcast is free, but it isn't free to produce. If you are a fan of the show, I invite you to go by the store and buy a t-shirt or a mug. The link is in the show notes. But, of course, the most important thing you can do is subscribe to us on your favorite platform. Then, please like, share, and rate the show. Any support will be immensely appreciated. The Grim Tale of Grace Macabre, Chapter 18 Grace was unable to focus on shopping. She wanted to text Ari, but couldn't. Both Jennifer and her mother knew that she did not have any close friends since Melanie moved away. If they saw her texting, especially after the horrible events of yesterday, they'd be curious. She would have to slip away to text Ari and set up a time to meet. Grace couldn't quite explain why, but she didn't want anyone in her family to know about her budding friendship with the Runaways. So far, Uncle Jim was the only one who had met any of them, and that was only Ari and Nephi, and it was clear that he didn't approve. She considered this as she absentmindedly flipped through the jeans hanging on a rack. Why would she not want any of her family to know about them? Especially after Ari had helped save her and the other kids from Justin's meltdown. The thought of Ari made her heart flutter, and she wondered for the thousandth time about his past. That's when she understood her reason for not wanting anyone else to know about the runaways. It was the mystery of it all. No one really knew anything about them. And now she had the opportunity to catch a glimpse inside their clique. It would be her little secret. She had never had a secret before, and this one made her feel giddy and lightheaded. It was something she wanted to keep only for herself. She wanted to savor it. Also, the runaways were truly liberated, and she wanted to be liberated too. She didn't want to care that her dad ran off with a younger woman, leaving them all to wonder why he didn't love them enough to stay. She didn't want to care if any of the vacuous clones at the school liked her or not. She especially didn't want to care about the shooting. How are you feeling, Grace? Grace turned to see that it was her mother. She had been hovering ever since they got to the store. I'm fine, Grace said. Where were you just now? Your body was here, but your mind was elsewhere. Jennifer's hovering and constant questions kept pulling Grace from thoughts of Ari to the events of yesterday. Grace felt anger take a nip at the edges of her mind. I'm okay, Mom, she snapped. Really, I am. Let's just forget about yesterday. She stormed off toward the shoe department, leaving her mother standing alone with a hurt look on her face. Grace grabbed a pair of sneakers from the shelf and sat down on a bench to try them on. She didn't need any new shoes. She was just going through the motions, keeping busy, attempting to keep her thoughts focused, as if the act of moving could force her thoughts to line up into a coherent, logical line. Instead, they kept flashing and jumping from one chaotic point to another. It set her on edge. One moment, it was Justin, the pen, protruding from his chest, his black eye shadow streaking down his pale face like some hellish kabuki makeup. The next image was of Ari placing his hand on her shoulder, sending a jolt through her, making her tingle all over. Then, it was of Ian, lying on the floor, a bright, crimson death flower blooming on his chest she slipped her foot into the sneaker a retro converse it looked cool she wondered if Ari would like it she was struck by the idea that her mom and Jessica were not hovering over her as they had been for most of the morning she was at least for a moment free to text Ari she slipped her hand in her pocket and pulled out her cell. As she did this, she glanced around nervously to see if Jessica or her mom were nearby. She pulled up her texting app, her hand slightly trembling. She was nervous. Both about texting the hottest and most mysterious guy in school and the fact that she was being sneaky. She felt excited giddy, and even a little naughty. She pulled up Ari's number and sent him a message that she hoped sounded relaxed and did not reflect any of the exhilarating emotions coursing through her. It was a simple message telling him that she had gotten Neffy's message and wanted to know what he needed. She didn't mention the possible meeting, though her heart deliciously ached with the thought. She had hoped for an instant reply, but it did not come. In fact, she didn't get a reply for the remainder of their shopping trip, nor during their lunch at Dante Inferno's Pizzeria. She had to force herself to eat a slice of cheese pizza so that her family wouldn't worry and start doting over her again. She tried to stay engaged in conversation, even though her mind constantly played over the message that she had sent Ari. Did it reek of desperation? She alternated between hope and embarrassment. What if she had somehow made a fool of herself with the text? Uncle Jim suggested they walk off their lunch calories by strolling through Lovecraft Park. It's not too cold out, and we can see all the beautiful foliage. I just love October. Besides, a brisk walk will get us all ready for some dessert. Grace pretended to like the idea, though she didn't want to go. Just as she pushed away from the table, her phone vibrated in her pocket. She quickly excused herself and went to the restroom. She stepped into a stall and locked the door. She fumbled the phone from her pocket and almost dropped it in the toilet. The message was from Ari. Can we get together, hang out for a while? Grace almost squealed in delight. She had started typing her reply before realizing that it had taken him almost four hours to reply to her text. She forced herself to shove her phone back into her pocket without completing her response. Besides, how was she going to make any type of meeting happen? She had to think it through. She was 16 and her mother had only recently allowed her to start dating, though the only guys to ask her out were Ian and a couple of jocks who made her feel as if she needed a shower after the way they looked at her. She had turned them all down. But... Would her mother let her go out with Ari? Somehow, she doubted it. Ari didn't look or act like any other guy, and her mother wouldn't approve of the way he dressed. She could hear her mom now. A leather jacket and boots? Really, Grace? Is he a modern-day James Dean? Stay away from bad boys, honey. They will only break your heart. Grace knew she would have to find a way to meet him without her mother knowing. She was momentarily torn by this thought. She had never snuck around on her mother. In fact, she had never even considered doing anything like this. She was always the good girl. Sneaking around just wasn't something that she did. However, The thought of a secret meeting with Ari was so romantic that her pulse quickened with excitement. As she stood in the tiny bathroom stall, she made the decision to make the meeting with Ari happen, no matter what it took. The Grim Tale of Grace Macabre, Chapter Nineteen everyone seemed to notice that Grace was in better spirits. As the five of them sat around the curiously octopus-shaped fountain located in the center of Lovecraft Park, the conversation was light and relaxed. None of them wanted to bring up Justin or the detectives or Sarah, though it was all on their minds. Neither did they want to talk about Jeremy McCree, the little boy who had been abducted from his house last night. All those were disturbing events, and they did not want them to darken this glorious fall day. Even though Grace participated in the light conversation, her mind was going through the various scenarios she could use to get away and meet with Ari. She had considered a few times to just ask her mother if she could meet him, but each time this thought came to her it was beaten back by the certainty that her mother would say no. This reinforced her need for some sort of covert plan. And suddenly, the solution presented itself. Zach had been playing with his phone, lackadaisically surfing the internet during lulls in the conversation. Yuck, he said, after entering the local movie theater's website. Jennifer turned and frowned when she noticed Zach using his phone. She disapproved of Zach using the internet unsupervised because of an incident two weeks ago where he had searched for Halloween costumes and had been taken to a site that sold some women's lingerie. What site did you end up on this time, she said. I was checking to see if the new superhero movie was out, Zack said. And, Jennifer prompted when he didn't elaborate, well... Zack said with a look of disgust on his face. Instead of that movie, they're showing Pride and Prejudice. I hate that movie. Jim was sitting next to Zack and glanced over at the phone. Is that another version of Pride and Prejudice? How many versions are they going to make? Is this the version starring the actress who had the meltdown during filming? Jennifer asked. It is, Zack said. Which actress, Jessica asked. You mean Miranda Skye or Christy Pope? Neither of those, Grace replied, seeing her chance to get away for a couple hours. She knew that even though Pride and Prejudice was a great and important novel, neither her mother nor Jessica would go see a film version where the story had been rewritten and turned into a teen flick. Maybe she could use this movie as an excuse to get away and see Ari. "'The actress in this movie is Amanda Ridley,' Grace said. "'This is the version that is set in a high school.'" "'Amanda Ridley had a meltdown?' Jessica asked. "'Really?' "'Duh,' Zach replied. "'It was epic.'" Amanda shaved her head completely bald, dressed up as a samurai, and tried to behead the director on the set of their newest movie. Was she successful? Jim asked. Nah, Zack said. He ducked and she got the gaffer. The gaffer? Jim said, feigning shock. Not the gaffer. Zack nodded, missing Jim's sarcasm. Yes, the gaffer. Jessica shot Jim a disapproving look. "'Did she kill the gaffer?' she asked. "'Nope,' Zack said. "'Not the gaffer. "'But she did kill the monkey.'" Everyone turned to Zack, disbelief on all their faces. "'The monkey?' Jim said. "'Where did a monkey come from?' "'It belonged to the director's boyfriend,' Zack said." Who is the director and why did her boyfriend have a monkey? Jennifer asked. She, like everyone else, had been pulled into Zach's fantastical story. The director is a man, Zach explained. It's Javier Sharp, the guy who shot that zombie movie last year called Dead and Proud. Anyway, the gaffer was holding the monkey for Javier's boyfriend when Amanda came on the set, totally freaking out. She was yelling something in French and slashing everything in sight. She ruined about half a million dollars in equipment and tried to behead the director. When he ducked, she got the gaffer who was standing behind him holding the monkey. It cut the gaffer's arm pretty badly, but it killed the poor monkey. There was a moment where no one said a word, trying to envision the event that Zach had just described. Finally, Jim asked, Why was she yelling in French? Zack began to giggle. <laughs> See, that's the funniest part of the whole story. She's thought that samurai were from France. Jim shook his head, clearly at a momentary loss for words he was finally able to say what everyone else was thinking. Only in Hollywood. Everyone had a good laugh at this insane story. When Jennifer saw that Grace was also laughing, she put her hand lovingly on her shoulder. How are you feeling? Much better, Grace said. I'm sorry that I snapped at you earlier. I understand. Jennifer said. I need to give you some space and let you deal with everything. Just, please, let me know if I can help you. I will, Grace said, seeing her opening. Since you bring it up, I want to ask a favor. Okay, Jennifer said. Anything, honey. I know we just slammed the actress of the new Pride and Prejudice movie, but... I think a mindless movie like that is exactly what I need. Would it be okay if I went to see it by myself? It would give me the opportunity to flush without having you guys hovering over me. Jennifer hesitated as she thought it over. After a moment, she ran both of her hands nervously through her shoulder-length red hair. Okay, she said. You can go. Just promise me you will be careful, and promise me you will go only to the movies and back, nowhere else. Grace smiled, her body tingling with excitement, her heart racing at the prospect of getting away with her harmless little ruse. Okay, Mom, I promise.